Hello and welcome to Erasable. You may have heard us on Baltimore's NPR station last week. You might have seen our sticker on a laptop or t-shirt on the subway. It's possible that you've even heard the legend of three dudes who have created your very favorite podcast, All About Things Pencil. This is episode 39 of that show. Dun dun. I am Johnny Gamber, and I am joined by Mr. Andy Wellfley. Mr. Tim's son is sick, which is sad, and we miss Tim. And there are, so how there, are you doing, Mr. Andy? I'm very good. I just want to, right up front, dispel any rumors that are going around about how Jim, uh, how, how Tim has um, left us to go join the Pen Addicts, so that is not true. Better not be true. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, is a, he is a pen crossover, so if any of us were to go join the dark side, I guess it would be him. Yeah. But hopefully not. So, <laughs> so tonight we have a, a very, very special guest. We're pulling um, all, pulling out all the stops and doing some time traveling. And we're going to have on Mr. Henry David Thoreau later. So if you're ever you know, thinking, eh, I'm not this week, keep listening because <laughs> I'm pretty awesome. So should we start off as we always do with our tools of the trade? Yeah, we should do that. Go first, sir. Yeah, um, I am drinking, um, I talked about it before, but I'm drinking the uh, Kawaba beer, which is that Japanese microbrewery. Um, oh man, it's so good. I, I found a little grocery where they sell it by the bottle uh, a few episodes ago, so I bought a bunch of that. It's really great. They also have little cans of green tea, like you get at a Japanese restaurant. Mm. It's so good. So I'm drinking, delicious. drinking that, and I'm writing with, um, actually, one of those raw wood pencils that say... Um, Love CW Pencil Enterprise on the side of it. You know which I'm, which ones I'm talking I've about. I've never seen those. The um they came no. with if you ordered something for Pencil Day, uh, National Pencil Day, you got one of these pencils too, and it's just a, a natural wood, um, and not even a natural finish, just like raw finish, like the generals. Oh, I did not. Yeah, uh, and it looks like she probably imprinted. Oh man, imprinted this herself or themselves. Um, yeah, and it's it's really nice. I'm guessing it's like a Musgrave. Yeah. Cool. How about you? What are you drinking and eating, and drinking and writing? Well, with, I should say. I'm very, very full. I, I had a French breast cup of Starbucks Ethiopia, which I think might be an offensive name for coffee, like a country, like Starbucks America. But <laughs> it's actually pretty good. It's kind of got that dry cocoa thing going on. Um, and then I had a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and now I'm having a Perrier. So. <laughs> Look out. It's like hyper burping up all coming. night. Yeah. No, I won't. I'll probably <laughs> have some more. <laughs> and I'm writing with the J. Throne Sun replica pencil that I bought at Walden Pond sometime. It's actually, it was so expensive, it's almost, you know, as precious as a Swiss wood topper. <laughs> Love you. So, uh, Fresh points will be a little shorter since Tim is not with us tonight, but yeah. a lot of cool stuff that came out recently. There so is. you want to get us started, Andy? Sure. Um, I'll probably just you start. super good news. Yeah. I'll probably start with just some news about the podcast itself. Um, so we have a new uh, logo, a new kind of kind of logo and cover art and brand to go on. Um, our good friend TJ Cosgrove um, from Wood and Graphite. He's a, he's a uh, filmmaker, and he is also a graphic designer. He's a very talented guy. Um, he worked with us to put together just a pretty awesome logo 
Um, I'm thinking I, I updated all of the album art-like feeds that we have, so I'm hoping that when you are downloading this podcast to your phone or to your computer, you will have that new album art with you. Um, so you may be able to see it as I talk along, but essentially it is um, just we just want something like really bright and unique and simple and iconographic. So we have a little uh, yellow pencil with a red ribbon around it that says Erasable Podcast. So. It's, it looks awesome. It does. You did a really good job, TJ. Thank you so much. We need to we need to stay up late and have him on sometime, or get up early. Oh, I guess. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in order to Make celebrate our new logo, um, we are launching our second ever Teespring campaign, which is really awesome. Uh, if you if you remember, maybe not those of you who didn't listen last um, oh last fall, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, uh, we launched it. It was a T shirt. That said, pencil is forever on it, and uh, we did it on Teespring. It was really great. We had like sixty-five orders, which was fantastic. Uh, this time around, because it's a little bit um, later in the year, we're going to do a hoodie. So um, I'm excited about this. I've been sharing mocks with with Johnny and Tim. Um, it is. I did a little uh, drooling. You did. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> uh, warm, like a thick navy hoodie. It's Gildon. Is that how you say it? Gildon. Gildon? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> um, so we're going to keep it simple with a little two-color logo that's just small on the left breast pocket. Uh, well, not, not a pocket, but on the left side, uh, maybe three inches tall. So um, I should let you know. So I work at a tech company that is huge, and I see my fair share of hoodies that come through. There's, It seems like every, everybody's printing some kind of a logo on a hoodie. So we're keeping it subtle uh, just because that's the best thing to do for a hoodie. Like It gets really thick and screen printy and nasty if you don't so uh, it's the campaign's running for three weeks by the time this goes up and you should uh, get it back by christmas so yeah we'll have a link in show notes but if you go to erasable.us slash hoodie uh, you'll be able to see it so get your hoodie join us and then uh johnny when we all meet up in the spring or whatever we can all wear our shirts yeah. and hoodies i don't care how hot it is i'm wearing that <laughs> we'll be sweating like what's wrong with those guys <laughs> They're wearing matching clothes, and they're all really, really wet. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they're going to get tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all of our Big profits. Cultish. Yeah, all of our profits Sorry. will go toward bandwidth and hosting fees, uh, maybe some equipment upgrades, and maybe do something about this this Skype connection. It's just the worst. I don't know. Um, Stinky yeah. Skype. Yeah, and then maybe some seed money for like a bigger run of erasable pencils or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, look for that. Um, this is the kind of the first place we're announcing it. I haven't even posted it in the group yet about it. So um, you heard it here first. Second thing I was going to mention is, um, did you see this, Johnny? The uh, no. kind of kind of the uh, I want to hear about that. <laughs> tell me more. The flagship uh, Baron Fig um, light gray confidant is having a partner. They're now doing. They're not going to be doing a darker charcoal color. Similar to the Maker Excellent. series, so it's not a limited edition. Yeah, I'm assuming like it. Maybe the inside isn't quite like the Maker's. Like maybe the bookmark isn't the same color. But yeah, interesting. They're, I'm they're, using a Maker right now. Yeah, they're so great. Um, apparently, they were pretty, pretty rare. Um, but by popular demand, that charcoal color isn't the regular now. That's so, fantastic. It's a. Uh, it's I've cool. been doing a lot of. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. I'm doing some Baron Fig uh, pencil tests recently. Hmm. Which is a way longer topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, 
Wait, some pen- some pencil tests in your burn fig? Yeah, the, the the paper is a lot more textured than I'm used to. Yeah. So I have like a whole other fleet of pencils I like to use on Baron Fig. First, I thought you were talking about a Baron Fig pencil, and you knew something I didn't know, and I was like, "What?" No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I would have bragged about it sooner. <laughs> hey, Andy. <laughs> you, you may have had dinner with them in San Francisco, but guess what I know? They sent me on Instagram privately. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're awesome. So I um, before I had met them in April when I was in New York, but. I just found out, uh, like, middle of last week that they were uh, in San Francisco. Joey and Adam were. So I sent them a tweet, and I texted Adam, and I was like, you're in San Francisco? What? So we all had dinner together. It was pretty fun. Excellent. Yeah. We, um, yeah, didn't didn't talk about, what'd you say? Our East Coast peeps missed something for once. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's really intelligible. No, it's all right. So, yeah, um. Joey and Adam are good. They're plugging along. They're super awesome. Working on cool stuff. Um, the last thing I think I wanted to talk about, um, similar to Baron Fig, but different, uh, all of the new field notes that are out. I don't know if you've... Yeah, there's like a whole bunch of them. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed this. There's um, the Dead Print series that are out, and they made the, these for like a couple conferences, uh, Land Land and Mondo. I don't know what those are, but I oh, read about them. that's what those things were. Yeah, so they just took old posters. Um, I think some of them were maybe like posters from either Landland or Mondo, but then also some of um, Draplin's old posters. So they, they took those posters, they turned them into cover stock, and they uh, foil-stamped the Field Notes stuff on, on the posters. Um, so it, it kind of has a look a little bit like the Two Rivers. It's kind of letterpressy, kind of like, you know, um, print overrun but much more graphical. Like instead of a letterpress, it's a like, you know, screen printed. So they, uh, so unless you, you knew somebody within one of those um, conferences, you couldn't get them except for 20 minutes last week when they were selling them uh, on the internet and it sold out. Did you see that? I saw the aftermath yeah. and the the fights on a certain other field <sighs> um, um, Facebook group. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually, Brad Dowdy ranted about this a little bit, which was good. Somebody was complaining about how, you know, us Field Note subscribers, we don't, we only see the boring things. We don't, we never get to see like this, these limited edition things. And, you know, it's, it was kind of an entitlement that was very apparent in there. Like, Field Notes doesn't owe you anything. They're giving you, yeah. you know, amazing limited edition subscriber series. Um, Shenandoah is gorgeous and beautiful and better than any of these other ones that I think I've seen. Yeah, um, I think you're right. But but also, yeah, like yeah. There was a big argument both on that thread and um from Brad Daddy. So we'll have a link to Pen Addict where he's yeah. talking about that. Yeah, there was a thread about um collecting versus non collecting and who's offended by what and <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, if are people jerks if they buy them all up to have trade fodder. Like, I don't know. Stay in the hell out of that. It's uh Everybody needs something to argue about. And in the stationary world, yeah. I think that's about all we can find. <laughs> yeah. Except for the argument of pen versus pencil. But that's well, a pretty short argument. Obviously. Yeah. That's not really an argument so much as just a position. We can just end that. Yeah. Did you see the thing somebody <laughs> in the group linked to on Reddit about that? No. Somebody um, in the – I think it was in the pen group on Reddit. Uh, somebody basically posted, these are all the reasons why pencil is better than pen. And then started a flame, an internet flame war. Awesome. <laughs> I'll, look for, I'll look for that and link it. 
I know uh, what I'm doing with my caffeine buzz tonight. <laughs> going on Reddit and <laughs> flaming some people. So there, I just look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's also an edition Nixon that came out. Um, it's made for some brand that I've never heard of. That I think they sell sunglasses, maybe or clothing. Yeah. Can you buy this? Watches. One? Yeah. Yeah. You can buy this on Nixon.com. Wow. There's nothing to do with Richard Nixon. <laughs> buy him to burn him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea if they're still up there, but they were. I got a, I got a pack. They're really pretty colors. Oh, man. I might have to get a pack of those. Yeah. And then finally, uh, XOXO 2015 is out, which is um, they were selling those them. Those are really trippy. Yeah. They're gorgeous. They were selling them in uh, on-field notes for a very limited time. I got a pack. Um, yeah, the artist who did that did a lobby at Facebook. Uh, there's a yeah, big... I saw that picture that you put up. Yeah, so I was like, that looks really familiar. And then I went through that lobby again. I was like, oh, so same guy. It's super cool. And didn't they put the 60-pound paper in those that they put in the Shenandoah? Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Yeah, that paper is so great. I think it's going to become their standard. That would be good. Yeah. I like it. If if for some reason you wanted to use a field note, or excuse me, <laughs> a fountain pen in your field notes, uh, it's a little bit better, but... None of you would, would do that. Yeah, you can use a gel pen sometimes, yeah. but you know, you've got to break it when you're finished. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's about it for fresh points for me. Um, I was looking back through my stuff, and I think the other stuff I was going to talk about, Johnny will be will be talking about. So sweet. Take it away. So if you if you're getting if you feel like you've experienced this. Andy and Johnny thing before. Perhaps you caught us on Baltimore's NPR station last week on WYPR when we were on talking about our podcast, which is interesting because Andy was on Skype and I was in the studio, but they had the same pop uh, pop filter that I have. So I sort of forgot oh. where I was for a minute. <laughs> and Tim wasn't able to join us, but they used a clip and the clip they used was Tim talking. So it was like we were all there. It was pretty cool. It was weird hearing his kind of disembodied voice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm bragging because I got to see the studio, which was awesome, because I listened to that program the whole time I was writing my dissertation, and I listened to that station all the time. Like, wow, I get to see it. It's awesome. Yeah. Plus, it, it's like three miles from where I live, so I get to walk. It was a very nice day, et cetera, et cetera. We've hopped hit, up on caffeine. <laughs> we've hit the mainstream media. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if folks didn't catch it, I think you can stream it or download it, so we'll put that link in the show notes. It's a program called Maryland Morning, which is, you know, about Maryland and aired in the morning. <laughs> um, also, in other notebook news, Word has a dot grid notebook out, which is really awesome. Yeah. So I have a pack, and the coolest thing they did was the cover is dot grid, which I thought was kind of like, eh. But when you see them, you're like, wow, I want to draw all over this thing, which the Word notebooks don't usually invite because they use such a heavy design if they use a design. And you know the way that it's branded, it doesn't really invite drawing anything funny on it. So, so, so do you have one of these one of these notebooks? Yep. How's the dot um, grid? Is it is it thicker or thinner? About the same size as like a Baron Fig dot grid? Um, I didn't compare the two. It's I think five millimeter. I don't know hmm. what that means. Or the other ones. <laughs> it's a little it's a little dark the the dots, which I could live without but i use word notebooks all the time and ignore their format so it's nice just to have one that doesn't have it to ignore that's like yeah you know a millimeter of the page i'm wasting they have really nice paper yeah it's super nice for pencil i heard it's really horrible for ink but you know i don't care yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) 
So um, other awesome things that came out, I think since today's the 26th, we're allowed to talk about it. The classroom friendly folks, I think they did some sort of feedback invitation where they invited folks to suggest the next color. So they have a color called popular purple and um, it's a super, super purple classroom friendly <laughs> sharpener. Um, it's, it's sort of, closer to a pink than a violet like it's so it's light and it's farther along the red spectrum but it's really really cool hmm. so I, I put a post up on pencil revolution and charlotte was like practicing her fight face because she wants it but she already has a matte pink one I'm like well you don't need two she's like i'm gonna fight for it <laughs> looked like she was practicing on that tractor with henry <laughs> or no henry was practicing it on her i should say yeah he's not the one that wants it he doesn't know how to work a pencil sharpener thank god it doesn't matter what a fire gun. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that? So my wife is a really big fan of purple. Uh, she has a lot of uh, purple things, a lot of purple pencils. Um, but she, I, I told her about that sharpener, and she actually doesn't not want it because she doesn't care for long points. Yeah, my wife doesn't like long points either. Yeah. I wonder, I was thinking about how it's kind of like a fountain pen. Like you have to hold it farther back, so you, it seems like you have less like minute control over the tip. I'm just lazy. <laughs> like, do I have to sharpen, sharpen for a while? Yeah. Plus, you know, some pencils just look really badass like that, like a black wing, that yeah. long point. Ooh, look at that. Yeah, stab somebody. Or something with a thick lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that purple sharpener is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And they, they've changed their the sticker they put on top. I'm not sure when they changed it. I think a few months ago where instead of a red sticker, it says pencil sharpener, and now it's actually a black sticker with their logo. And they have a really cool-looking logo. It's really simple, but I really like it. So <laughs> dig all around. So if they do another one, I think they should go for yellow. That would be really sweet. Yeah. Really glossy, like not mustard yellow, like yellow, like puke yellow. That would be awesome. <laughs> so um, another thing I found in the pencil world was I was at Office Depot, and the Ticonderogas that have come out to replace all of the ones folks sold at Back to School all have a big logo on the front that says, you know, proudly made of American incense cedar. I think it's really weird. Hmm. There's sort of, it's, it's like, I don't know, a rude implication that the pencils are American somehow, which they're definitely not. Yeah. But they were messing around for a while with the flagship pencil not being made of cedar, so that's nice to see. And mm -hmm. they smell super good, and they put the word soft back on, and it doesn't look stupid. But the <laughs> printing looks a lot better. Have you have you tried one of these incense cedar bragging Ticonderogas out? Do they, does it seem nicer? I feel like the core... Like the, I feel like the Renew was a little, definitely a lot softer than the Mexican, but not quite as soft as the Chinese ones that were yellow. And this one just feels more like the Renew. It's like hmm. almost perfect for a semi-cheap. Yeah. So if you see them, grab them. I think it's like six bucks for two dozen. That's not terrible. Yeah. A nice little plastic box. Plus they're clear, so you can, you know, take all of them off the rack in the store and look for the ones with the best, um, best centered cores, like I did. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Cool. I do have uh, one last thing to mention before we, we get to our main guest. Um, so we had kind of a discussion in the uh, in the group about the new Blackwing 211s and the new, uh, well, the new old generals, uh, number ones. And uh, so I think we talked about this before, how, the, how generals started making the number ones again, kind of by popular quest that we're just going to go ahead and take credit for in our group. <laughs> so Gary, Gary got a bunch in. Uh, Gary Varner from Notegeist uh, distributed them out, and we were talking about how 
you know, those are completely raw. They have no finishing on them. And the Blackwing 211s have a natural finish, so there's like a very thin layer of varnish just to help you get a little bit of a grip. Um, people are complaining about how they don't care for that varnish, how it doesn't make it a natural finish. And we talked about how, well, maybe, you know, if it doesn't have that on there, it's it's a raw finish. And if it's uh, it has a little bit of a varnish, it's a natural finish because it's still finished as opposed to just being raw. So that's something I that it's it's a little just semantics, but it really changes the way I'm thinking about it. Um, my wife really likes just the completely raw, raw finish. Well, in, in other words, no finish. So something where, you know, the oils of your fingers can, can leave behind a little spot or just make it a little bit shinier. Um, whereas I prefer the natural finish. So it has a little bit of a varnish on it. So yeah, that's a, a point of clarification that I believe we discussed and people in the group certainly discussed. What's your favorite of those two? Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on the pencil. Yeah. I sort of got into pencils with a raw pencil, but some raw pencils are smoother than others, and some are more heavily varnished than others. Yeah. I tend to favor a smooth raw or a very light varnish somewhere in the middle. I like the, for example, this one I'm using from CW Pencils. It's it's a raw one, and it's super, super smooth, as opposed to like a Field Notes, which is uh, also raw, but but a little bit splintery, maybe? I don't know if that's the right word. Because it's not splintery, it just feels a little bit splintery. There's nothing smooth about that pencil. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that ferrule's pretty good. Except that it comes off. That's true. Choking <laughs> 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 hazard. <laughs> well, should we, uh, should we fire up the time machine? Yeah. It's going to take a minute to crank it up. <laughs> we, have it up, to up to, classroom friendly. <laughs> we have to get it up to 88.1 gigawatts. Well, we have, we have alluded... A few times through our next guest appearance on the podcast, both on the radio and on the podcast and on social media. So we've sort of pulled in a transcendental favor and are very, very, very happy to be joined today by none other than Henry David Thoreau. Good evening. How are you? Very good. It's an honor to talk to you in, uh, right in time for the um, Back to the Future Day. We got our time traveling Skype working. It was complicated. <laughs> it's, it's certainly a pleasure. It's certainly a pleasure to be talking to you um, in this method. I'm more used to talking to people face to face, or in all honesty, I would rather not talk to anybody at all. So I suppose <laughs> this is the best way to do it. <laughs> we're halfway there. So we we were going to ask you some questions, sort of about you know your family's involvement in graphite and American pencils and how. The thorough pencils wind up being the best pencils in the mid-19th century that you could get in this country. So could you start maybe by telling us the ways in which your extended family has been involved in graphite? Well, my uncle Charles uh, has uh, a graphite mine uh, in New Hampshire, and he was a pencil maker by trade. Uh, about 1823, my father took over the pencil making business from my uncle Charles and uh, was doing fairly well. He was fairly successful uh, as a pencil maker in Concord, but there were two other pencil makers in Concord as well. We are a very small village. There are only about 2,000 of us. And so having three pencil makers in a, a small village such as Concord, uh, there was uh, enough competition to go around, I suppose. And our pencils, honestly, were no different than anybody else's. But about 1844, the year before I moved to Walden Pond, I was reading a Scottish encyclopedia on how the Germans and French make their pencils. 
they have the best in the world from what I, I understand and discovered that uh, their plumbago, as it's called, uh, was mixed with uh, a Bavarian clay. Uh, we had been mixing ours with various substances. We had been using uh, wax and glue and our pencils tended to be very, very greasy and very brittle. Uh, the Germans did not have that problem. And I discovered that if we mixed our plumbago with the uh, Bavarian clay, uh, it was a, a much harder, uh, darker uh, writing substance to work with. Can you tell us a little bit about the state of the American pencil um, around the time that your father began making pencils? So uh, who were you kind of, um, what kind of a pencil were you competing here at home well, with? Well, there there have been rumors uh, around Concord, and, and some Concordians will tell you that the first lead pencil was created in Concord, Massachusetts, in America. Hmm. It was created in Concord, Massachusetts. Um, so pencils have always been one of many trades in our village. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, the American pencils tended to be inferior to anything that was coming out of Europe. And I remember specifically being in school and having uh, our schoolmasters say that we should not use American pencils, that we should use pencils from Germany or France, which, of course, were very expensive, uh, just for the fact that they were not greasy or brittle uh, like the American pencils tended to be. And so they they were not a very good product. And uh, in that sense, I think that, that Europe uh, was doing much better than the American pencil makers were. You have created a, a special grinder for grinding plumbago that involved an air shaft and a box and river rocks. Could you explain how that works and how you invented that contraption? Well, we decided to start grinding our own, uh, our own plumbago rather than uh, having it done for us uh, uh, away, from, away from the shop. Now, uh, first I should tell you that... Uh, the shop that we've made pencils in for many years uh, is a very small operation. It has always been my father, uh, myself, if I have to, but once you make one pencil, why, why do it again? Uh, and my, my sisters, and occasionally we would hire one or two Irish boys to help in the production. So it has always been very small, but we decided to grind our own, uh, our, our own plumbago. And uh, what I did was uh, I, uh, I created a grinding mill, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, a, a tall uh, cylinder, about seven feet tall, uh, and uh, you would uh, grind it um, almost like you would almost like you would churn uh, churn butter in, in some ways. You would you would uh, turn a handle and that would grind the millstones inside, and that's how the the uh, plumbago would get ground up. Now there was a, a small air shaft at the bottom. At the very top was almost like a shelf, I guess is the best way to put it. The lighter, finer uh, plumbago would drift up to the shelf up above. The heavier pieces uh, would then fall to the bottom, and we could then regrind them until they would float to the top and, uh, and land on the shelf up above. So besides the construction of pencils, um, you know, you and you and your father had had superior graphite that you know other stuff from other companies that were found around around the U.S. Um, what else did you do with your graphite besides besides pencils? Well, I would have to tell you that by 1850, uh, we were really not making 
uh, as many pencils uh, as we had done previously. Because of my improvements, we had done very well. And uh, we had been poor for most, most of my life. But once uh, I helped improve the pencils, they became very successful, not only in Boston, but uh, I hear uh, as far away as uh, some of the Western states like Indiana and Illinois. By 1850, rather than make pencils as much as we do, we started to sell the, uh, the plumbago to various uh, printing companies in Boston. And after 1850, uh, that is how father uh, and, uh, and my family made most of our money. That's cool. Excellent. So in addition to being the darkest and the least smearing, the row pencils also came in distinct grades. Um, could you tell us about those grades a little bit and how you varied the clay and graphite content to achieve those? You make pencils once a while. You have this, uh, the cedar cylinder. Uh, you split it. Uh, you cut a groove in the cylinder. Uh, what we would do is we would put in at first a paste uh, of the uh, plumbago and, uh, and clay, but I discovered that if we baked them into the cylinders, uh, we could just insert them into the, the crevice, glue on the top of the pencil, and, and there you are. Uh, depending on the hardness of the pencil, uh, meaning the ratio of clay to plumbago, you would have different hardnesses of pencils. But uh, what we would then do is we would number the pencils one through four based on the hardness of the pencil. From what I understand, my family was the first American pencil makers to do that. That's amazing. Yeah, we still use those numbers. Yeah. And, cool. Well, and we also uh, make uh, uh, pencils with red and blue uh, uh, graphite as well. Uh, we sell those for uh, accounting firms in Boston and elsewhere. Awesome, those are some of my favorites. I should tell you that uh, we, we've won awards. Father uh, has won several gold medals uh, because of our superior pencil, hmm. uh, which of course he's very proud of. Um, a few years ago in 1847, we won a diploma from the Massachusetts Charitable Mechanic Association. Uh, and in 1849, we won the silver medal, medal for the best pencil at the Salem Charitable Mechanics Association. So because of my efforts and, and uh, because of the pencil that we make, Father has been recognized uh, as being a, a superior pencil maker by various charitable organizations. That's awesome. What, what generally do you, do you write on, Mr. Thoreau, when you're, you know, whether or not you're, you're, you know, writing your books or if you're or writing your journals, I should say, um, what, what kind of paper do you generally like to write on best? Well, when I'm, when I'm out in the fields, I use my journals. Uh, the, uh, the journals that I purchase, <laughs> I'm, I'm sad to say that uh, I'm getting to the point where you cannot find uh, a journal with blank pages in it anymore. In it anymore. Anytime I go into Concord uh, in order to purchase a new journal, all I can find are books used for accountants. So mm. the pages are marked for, uh, for debits and, and, and credit and whatnot. Um, but uh, the journals that I purchase in Concord, sometimes in Boston, uh, tends to tend to be a, a better quality paper than uh, than any of the uh, the cheaper papers, or, or certainly not as bad as newspaper newsprint or anything like that. Hmm. But when I'm in the field, I make notes and and minutes uh, in pencil, 
and then in the evening I will then transcribe my notes into my my uh, working journal in pen and ink. I have a feeling that with a lot of your work, you know, your your writing can be the start of sort of an ecological movement in the United States. So I'm wondering, what do you think of the ecological cost of making pencils um, when you're alive? And I don't know how long you've been here and if you've gotten a look around at 2015, but um, what do you think of that, the ecological cost of pencils now and then, especially compared to pens and plastic and junk like that? I consider myself a naturalist. I am a very keen observer of the natural world. And uh, I go for my daily walks. I, I walk at least four hours every afternoon. I am always surrounded by nature. Uh, walking for me is my holy time. And I hold trees in particular in very high esteem. Friends and neighbors and others ask me, well, because you hold trees, uh, because they have such a special place in, in, your, in your cosmology, uh, how is it that you can uh, use uh, wood for, for your pencils? But uh, we really do not have anything else that you can make pencils of. It, it is like being in Concord or Boston or elsewhere. You have to cut down trees for firewood or, or we would freeze. So there, uh, there seems to be a bit of a contradiction uh, in the fact that I, I love trees, yet I use them for burning, and we certainly use the cedar for making our pencils. Um, the fact of the matter is there is nothing else that we can use currently that is any better than the cedar that we use. So I, I try to make my peace with that. Um, I, I do my surveying as well. And, and a lot of the times when I survey a piece of land, it is so that trees can be cut down in order for the land to be uh, improved, so-called. And so I have learned to come to terms with that, that some of the occupations that I am involved in uh, and certainly some of the ways that I live my life will involve, are involved in the cutting down of trees. You, you may know already that uh, in, by, by the time I was living at Walden Pond in 1845, only 10% of Concord had trees. Uh, the rest was wide open farmland. So there are very few trees in Concord to begin with uh, since, I have, since I have been around. So we do our best to conserve what we can. I think that each town should set aside attractive land so that the trees would not be cut down for firewood or for building or for what have you. Hmm. Um, when I was living on Mr. Emerson's land at Walden Pond, uh, I cut down some of his trees for building and for firewood, but I've also replaced those trees. I, I replanted about 400 pine trees uh, on his land. So uh, I see nothing wrong with cutting down the trees as long as they are replaced. How how best do you sharpen those pencils? Do you? I, I assume you're using a knife. There's no handheld pencil sharpener. Um, I use I use my I use my pen knife, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, how often do you do you resharpen when you're writing? Well, I suppose uh, it is like someone asking me uh, uh, how many pages do I write in a day. So That's true. Some days That's are true. some days are better than others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that makes sense. But uh, but. Uh, if the if the the muse is upon me, and uh, I am writing a, at a fairly good clip, uh, I would resharpen my pencil uh, every ten or fifteen minutes. I would think I like to have a good point on it, uh, but uh, I will also use a pencil. Uh, I will get every ounce of use out of the pencil that I have, and and I will use it down to 
almost the very nub before I will move on to another pencil. <laughs> uh, being a writer and having a father as a pencil maker, I am well kept in pencils, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, so how many pencils do you have on your person at any time, especially on your long walks? Oh, well, I always have uh, in, my, uh, in my bag that I always have with me, I always have at least uh, a dozen of my father's pencils uh, ready to be used. And also there are perhaps one or two that are already sharp, sharpened. Hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm always well armed when I go out into the woods and fields of Concord uh, to write at a moment's notice. Excellent. So thank you, Mr. Thoreau, for joining us in this really probably alien medium to you. It's going to <laughs> well, be mailed to lots of people. <laughs> I, I am used to sitting in a room and, and talking to myself. I'm just not used to anybody listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> So, I have a feeling one day a lot of people are going to be listening. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, well, thank you so I, much I would for ask inviting you, me. I appreciate it. I would ask you, Mr. Thrill, where somebody can find you on uh, on Twitter or Facebook, but I, I am assuming you don't know what those words mean. <laughs> I suppose if I if I have a, a friend uh, here come talk with you, he would be able to give you that information. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, Thoreau is obviously not really a corpse. Um but Richard Smith, who is a Thoreau expert and reenactor who works at Con in Concord and at Walden Pond. So we're hoping that Richard could introduce himself a little bit. And we have some real life questions to ask the real Richard about modern pencil Concord stuff. Great. Well, hello. My name is Richard Smith. Thank thanks for having me, you guys. That was yeah, awesome. Thank you for yeah, doing this. Absolutely. Seriously awesome. <laughs> my my pleasure. So so and and I should I should, before you go any farther, I can answer that last question that Mr. Thoreau could not answer. Um, <laughs> I do have a face. I I do have a Facebook page called Meet Henry David Thoreau, um, and I also have a, a, a Twitter a page uh, called Walden. Is it Walden Hermit or uh, I think it's Walden Hermit is my mm. is my uh, Twitter is my Twitter page. That's yep. awesome. The obvious question is, since you're like one of the big Thoreau people in the whole world, have you gotten to handle actual Thoreau pencils? Yeah, a lot of times. I was really lucky. Um, I've been a historian in Concord, Massachusetts now for 16 years. In fact, I've been portraying Thoreau for 16 years. Uh, I worked at the Concord Museum for about eight years, and they do have Thoreau pencils. Um, I, I was able to handle those. Um, I worked for the Thoreau Society. They have some of Thoreau's pencils. In fact, a year ago, maybe two years ago, the Thoreau Society had an online auction, and they there was an actual real Thoreau pencil uh, that went up for auction. Well, you know, I thought I'll bid a hundred bucks. Sure, why not? <laughs> and I think it went. I think it went for almost. I think it went for almost two grand. Wow. Um, something like that. Some really insane amount for a pencil. Um, which we were told was guaranteed, quote unquote, to be a real thorough pencil. I, I guess the provenance was pretty good for it. But um, but yeah, I've had a chance to look at and, and handle um, a bunch of thorough pencils uh, over the last few years. Awesome. Eat your heart out, Blackwing. That's quite some retail value. <laughs> 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 you know, so his dad made pencils from about 1823 up to about 1815. Um, there were different different imprints on the pencils. Some of the pencils, there are no imprint at all. Some of the pencils say 
John Thoreau and Sons. Um, another, another imprint says J. Thoreau and Son. So, but there seems to have been no rhyme or reason as to whether or not they imprinted their their pencils or not. Hmm. Um, you know, it really was, I, I call it, from what I understand, it just seems like it was a real mom and pop operation in so many ways. Yeah. So do people uh, do people ask you about uh, thorough pencils in Concord and when you're at the pond? Yeah, you know, I have I I have some reproduction thorough pencils that I always use that I always have with me as props when I, I have one right the pond oh. that's a replica. Right? Yeah. Is, now is that one of the ones that says J Thorough and Sons on it? Yep. J Thorough and Son on it. Yeah. So I always have them with me and. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I find really interesting. And, and not a lot of people are really aware that his dad was a pencil maker. I, I think it's going a little bit too far to say that Faro himself was a pencil maker. He would just help when he had to. Hmm. But his dad was the pencil maker. And so I find it really interesting that here's this guy who's a writer and his dad made pencils. Um, and I think people are generally surprised when, you know, we don't think about that stuff nowadays. But in the mid-19th century being a pencil maker was a really important trade. Um, nowadays, we take pencils for, for granted because they're churned out by the millions. Hmm. But back then, I mean, it's individually handcrafted. And so, you know, um, and so we kind of don't think about that. So when I bring that up or if people see the, my, my pencil sitting on the desk at the pond or whatever, um, a, lot, a, a lot of visitors, a lot of tourists and, and school kids ask me about, about the pencils all the time. Hmm. If a person were to come up to Concord, say, the second weekend of November, and they wanted to see some, you know, throw pencil sites and artifacts in, in and around Concord. Is that a possibility for just a regular person that's yeah. you know, not on a research project? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a couple of, uh, you know, the, the private residence, uh, well, the, the last house that the Thoreaus lived, lived in on Main Street. Um, it's a private residence, but you, you can still see... Uh, a little bit of the addition uh, attached to the house that was part of their pencil shop. Um, there's another building over, I think, on Walden Street, and supposedly the little shed that's attached to that house um, was also uh, one of the sheds that the Thoreaus used for their pencil making or one of the pencil making shops. Um, over in Esterbrook Woods, uh, there's an area of cedar trees um, that. Uh, some of the trees were used for the pencil making. So huh. there, you know, there, there is, there is a, a small, uh, a little niche for people who are coming to Concord. If they're coming to Concord just to see pencils or, or to learn about Thoreau's <laughs> pencils, there's, an, there's enough sites to keep people happy. And of course, at the Concord Museum, they've got the pencils, they've, they've got the pencils on display. Cool. I, th I, th I think uh, Johnny's the only one who's, uh, who's come to just to see the pencils. Yeah. <laughs> <Charlotte>. <laughs> well, you know, I have, I've had people come to Concord for for stranger things than thorough pencils. So, um, you know, if, if someone were to tell me that they were Concord just to see the pencils, it probably wouldn't surprise me. You know? I, I, because because they're, it's really iconic with him. If you're if you're if you're into thorough everybody knows that that he was involved in pencil making so it's it's one of those things it's almost like 
like George Washington's false teeth in a way. You know, they're they're <laughs> kind of mythological, kind of historic, kind of iconic. So thorough pencils, yeah. If somebody tells me they're coming to Concord just for those, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Come come see them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so breaking uh, breaking from pencils for just a second, um, I I want to ask you about what I'm sure that most everybody. Uh, in the last couple of weeks have been asking you about, which is of course that New York times piece about Thoreau. Um, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hear tell that you've yeah. been in touch with the author. We'll, uh, we'll have a link. Yeah, in... I tweeted, I, I tweeted her privately and said, yeah. And I said, you know, if you want to come to Concord, I'd love to show you around. I think that in a lot of ways, she kind of misunderstood Henry um, and doesn't seem to like him very much. So I thought that, <laughs> Uh, maybe she should come to Concord and I would show her around, maybe uh, kind of explain what his life was all about. Uh, you know, I, I thought that the piece, in all honesty, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, I had never heard of her before this piece was published. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand, she's fairly well known as a columnist for The New Yorker and also as a writer. Um, I don't think the piece was badly written. I think she just kind of misunderstood. Um, I think she she really misunderstood him. Um, so yeah, so I tweeted her privately and said, if you want to come to Concord, I'd love to show you around. She tweeted me back almost immediately and said, next time she was in Massachusetts, she'll take me up on it. That's awesome. So, um, so we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> you know, the stuff that she wrote and. You know, and I, I guess the, the people who are tuning in will, will be able to go to the page, the article and read it. But the stuff that she wrote, in all honesty, really isn't anything that I haven't heard for the last 20 years. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff about, you know, he you know, he was a hypocrite because he wasn't a hermit. And and, you know, that's why I call my like my my Twitter page and other stuff. I call it, you know, Walden Hermit or Concord Hermit. Because in Walden he calls himself a hermit, but it's very tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. So that's why I that's why I do it. That's why my tweet my Twitter page is is Walden Hermit. But you know, but a lot of these people act like it's some big revelation that that he wasn't a hermit and that he would go into town for meals and for groceries and visit his family and stuff like that. But what took me by surprise were weren't her accusations, but she just seemed really angry, um, <laughs> like like. Like, like somehow Henry had, I don't know, maybe, maybe she had a bad experience or something at Concord. I don't know. But, but, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, she, I, I'm, I'm sure she knows that, that she's, that she's angered a lot of people. I don't find myself getting angry about it. You know, I, some, some Therobians that I know were just absolutely incensed. <laughs> and I guess it's because I deal with visitors. You know the, the 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 you know the twelve hundred Thorovians in the country who are you know they're suddenly up in arms about Henry being assaulted, <laughs> um, or however many there are. But you know I think that because I've heard these things from tourists for twenty years, um, nothing she said took me by surprise. So I didn't yeah. find myself getting particularly particularly angry about it. Well, and she definitely didn't mince words. Like she like not only I mean it was very incensing. Like the headline was was you know pond scum for god's sake it's like it's really like it's like holy crap you are angry about this but um yeah, well, I, but i gotta give her credit though you know that's a really clever title it is it's true <laughs> <laughs> it's a really clever title and you know and and yeah i mean 
there have been so many rebuttals. And in fact, this, this past Sunday in the Boston Globe, um, the, uh, the naturalist Richard Premack um, wrote a rebuttal to her and, and there have been various other websites with rebuttals. And, and then there have also been other websites saying, well, yeah, she's right. You know, he was a, he was this loser, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> it's just one of these things, I guess then, you know, it's one of these things, thorough, he's, he's probably really misunderstood because people can read Walden on so many levels. <clears throat> and I just don't necessarily know if, if a lot of the levels they're reading it on are really, are really the right way. I, you know, I, you know, you can read it as biography, you can read it as satire, you can read it as it's as something being preachy, you can read it as something tongue in cheek, you know, there, there's many levels. So I don't know, maybe, maybe she was in a bad mood one day when she read it. And, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe her cable went out or something. And so she had to read Walden and, yeah. and she was all irritated about it or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I, I found myself not getting as angry as other people. I, I, you know, as a historian, my job is to inform. So if she wants to come to Concord, I would, I would love to inform her about what Henry was all about. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is super, super awesome. I think it's, it's my pleasure. to do for a long time. Yeah, Tim, who is not here, has a son named Henry, and I have a son named Henry. So see, we're, we're big Thoreau fans. See, that's cool. And you know, and I've had people at Walden. I, I've I've met, I think, probably a dozen kids over the years um, who whose name is Walden, uh, named after. <laughs> so I didn't do that to the so. poor kid. <laughs> You know, I always wanted to have a kid and name him Elvis, but you know, that's, that's what Elvis. So, <laughs> Elvis, Elvis Walden would be a great name. The poor kid, but, um, Walden. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but um, well, I'm usually at Walden Pond. I I work uh, for the uh, the Thorough Society at the bookstore at Walden Pond called the Shop at Walden Pond. Um, I'm also um, like I said on online Meet Henry David Thorough on Facebook, and I always put all of my upcoming public programs uh, on there. So uh, if people want to come to Concord and check me out, or just come to Concord in general, just go to my go to the Thorough Society webpage or go to my Meet Henry David Thoreau Facebook page, and you can usually find me. But no, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Uh, both, both Henry and I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Richard slash Henry, for joining us today. This is the Erasable Podcast. We are at erasable.us. You can find this episode number 39 at erasable.us slash 39. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash erasable for the coolest group that's on Facebook. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash erasablepodcast. Find us on Twitter at erasablepodcast and also now on Instagram Yay. at erasablepodcast. I am Johnny Gamber pulling hugs for you tonight. <laughs> um, you can find me at pencilrevolution.com and on Instagram and Twitter at pencilution. Where can folks find you, Mr. Andy? Uh, I am A. Wellfle, A-W-E-L-F-L-E on um, Twitter and Woodclinched as well on Twitter. And uh, woodclinch.com is my website. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. The intro music for the Erasable Podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. 
You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com. <laughs>